Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 16th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two at our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. Also, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. You know we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net is our nationally syndicated radio network and more as we broadcast to the whole world telling the tale of liberty like nobody's business. As you know, I took a little break yesterday. I've been sick, man. I had to go to the doctor and get some antibiotics and recover, but I'm doing better, as you can tell. Thanks so much for your patience, but let's see. What would it have been? Monday's broadcast was a rock and roll show, to say the least. We had on Juliet M. Engel. She's a medical doctor, and she wrote a book called Sparky, Surviving Sex Magic. JulietEngel.com, her website. Juliet was born into a family of intelligence operatives, and she was initiated into the CIA's newly established, at the time, Monarch program in 1955 at the age of six, surviving sex magic and getting out of the occult and the abusive MK Ultra mind control programs. She went and ran the Angel Coalition in Moscow, Russia, helping people escape sexual abuse and sex trafficking. It was an underground railroad that rescued and repatriated children that were abused worldwide. And um, she tells her story. She ran the help folks get out of the sex trafficking for 10 years. Now she's speaking out to call a halt to the abuse of children. Amen to that. Hour two, we had our guest on, Dr. Scott Bradley, his lifelong goal and collegiate series to preserve the nation, all available at freedomsrisingsun.com, not to mention his weekly webinars and well over a 1,000 videos posted there and more, freedomsrisingsun.com. We talked about two, Nevadas go, two Nevada counties go constitutional, incredible article written by Alex Newman. Now posted on LibertyRoundTable.com, but it's also on EpicTimes.com. Incredible article about uh, the work from the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. I'm heavily involved in that work. I had a quote in the article. Richard Mack was quoted heavily in the article. A lot of good work coming to light. We've been working on this for literally over a decade, ladies and gentlemen, and you're starting to see it bear fruit. We'll keep an eye on that ball just for you. But again, we make the big news. The mainstream press don't dare touch it, but they're losing as they lose credibility in the Epic Times and other places gain credibility day by day. It's obvious to see the new media is indeed taking center stage, to say the least. We also talked about a man that got swallowed by a whale. He's doing much better now. His name is Michael Packer. And he was diving for lobsters when he got gulped down by the whale, but he got puked back up and he lived to tell about it. Wow, makes you think of Jonah, huh? 
well, this guy didn't live three days in the whale like Jonah. This guy just got kind of half-swallowed and then <clears throat> choked back out and survived it. But anyway, they say he's doing better. What an experience to tell about to your grandchildren, huh? <laughs> Holy moly. David Archuleta comes out a member of the gay community. What a sad tale to tell, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of mixed up people in this world, I'll tell you that right now, and our prayers are with them. And that's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Monday. Yesterday we had a great rebroadcast of a show, though, so check that out when you get the time. Without further ado, let's have our co-host slash guest jump into the mix. His name is James Edwards. Race, politics, and hypocrisy in the 21st century on Highlight. Yeah, thepoliticalcesspool.org, his award-winning website and weekly broadcast every Saturday night, syndicated by Liberty News Radio. James, welcome back, sir. Sam, always great to be with you on these monthly appearances on Liberty Roundtable. And I just got to say a quick uh, congratulations to uh, the work that you and your organization, along with Sheriff Mack, are doing and the great write-up in the Epoch Times. Uh, I don't know if I should admit this or not, but I actually first became acquainted with uh, that particular newspaper a few months ago uh, when it was inadvertently delivered to my mailbox. Now, how would that happen? Because... My next-door neighbor subscribes to it, and I had no idea. I mean, what a small world, right? I mean, so here we are, uh, and, and I, I knew this guy was, was conservative, but, you know, I didn't know he was an Epoch Times-reading type of conservative, you know, the real deal uh, rock-ribbed. And I looked at this, um, I looked at this uh, newspaper, and I said, man, this is my kind of stuff. What is this publication? And uh, then I read further into it and, of course, uh, handed it back to my neighbor. But I, I thought that was cool that somebody in my, on my actual street was, was also reading it. And then here, uh, sure enough, uh, so just a, a few months later, here's my good friend Sam Bushman being quoted in it. They are doing good work, and so are you. Uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Good people are standing together and taking on the mainstream press like never before. That's somebody to really sink your teeth into because at first, you know, when I first got into broadcasting, people kind of mocked and it's like, oh, you own a little teeny radio station on the AM dial, so what? And then over time, it's like, oh, you got quoted here. You're still a whack and you're still crazy. And then every single uh, media organization on the planet decided to take us on. Now, that's an overstatement a little bit, but but not by far because it's the biggest news organizations literally attacked me as a racist and a bigot and a homophobe and everything else under the sun and a right wing extremist and a domestic terrorist. We'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds and on and on and on and on. But you know what? At the end of the day, people are seeing the truth. They lied. I told the truth. Now we're celebrating our 25th year of Liberty Roundtable live and broadcasting. And I'm just telling you that we're gaining the upper hand as the new media takes center stage. As people realize he who owns the media makes the rules, they're realizing we better pay attention to the media that's telling us the truth. And with that, James, let's start out talking about the Southern Baptists. Uh, James Edwards was a Southern Baptist. Uh, he got kicked out of the Southern Baptist organization. In fact, he got his whole church kicked out of the Southern Baptist organization but now they wrestle for control and leadership of the Gargantua organization. Moderate pastor Ed Litton narrowly beats, quote, conservative to head the Southern Baptists. A couple more details, then we'll turn it over to James. Ed Litton, who's a moderate pastor from Alabama, won, and they say it will reshape the future of the country's largest Protestant denomination. I don't know about that. We'll see. Effectively, it was a three-way standoff 
for the leadership of the nation's largest Protestant denomination. Southern Baptists rejected, um, whatever this guy's name is, Al. Al, Al Mueller, Mueller. Or Mueller, yeah. Mueller Jr., Jr., whatever, who received 26% of, listen to this, 14,000 votes. Ultra-conservative pastor from Georgia lost Mike Stone against Lytton. Lytton mainly stayed out of the culture wars. Well, then I don't know how he can be effective, but that's another discussion we'll talk about in a second. When officials announced the result from the stage... I guess it was only 556 votes that separated Lytton from Stone. They say that's four percentage points. You kind of wonder if there was vote fraud going on there, but I digress. The floor erupted in a mixture of cheers and boos. And at a news conference after his victory, the soft-spoken Mr. Lytton emphasized the need for healing. We are a family, Mr. Lytton said. At times, it seems like we're incredibly dysfunctional, but we love each other. Going forward, he said, my goal is to build bridges and not walls. Some had warned that the stakes for the nomination, which often serves as a bellwether for white American evangelicalism, has never been higher. And a newly empowered ultra-conservative faction is pushing back against the natural or the national leadership because they're not taking on the difficult issues. Now, if there's an expert in this who's been watching it, keeping an eye on the ball, it is James Edwards. Your thoughts, my friend? Uh, Sam, I didn't know you were going to ask me about this today, but um, if, if you want to just carve out the rest of the show, we can fill it. <laughs> I watched uh, this, actually. I watched this as much as I could stomach, being a erstwhile Southern Baptist and uh, having great, great, great memories of growing up in rural uh, a rural Southern Baptist congregation. I mean, most of the Southern Baptist churches, it is a bottom-up organization. Uh, the church is sovereign. Uh, basically, what happens at the convention, my pastor always used to just call it window dressing because it is a bottom-up type church. So the local church, you're, you're in the average Southern Baptist church, it runs between 100 and 150 members. And that's your headquarters. And what happens at the denominational level uh, is more recommendations but uh, what's going on at the denominational level is certainly not good. I did watch this yesterday, and uh, I watched it in its entirety. And, yes, of course, so how the media is framing this is that Mike Stone, a pastor out of Georgia, was this ultra-conservative, uh, right-wing, divisive candidate. But what he really was was a nominally conservative, and, and to be sure, the best of the, the four uh, that were nominated to be president of what is the world's largest Protestant denomination. So it is important if you're a Christian to know what goes on uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. It is probably the most conservative denomination outside of orthodoxy. And um, and then, um, uh, of course, um, even if you are a, a non-Christian, but just appreciate the what Christianity has done to inform our culture, it's important to know what's going on with with these large conservative denominations. So with that stage being said, I'll tell you exactly what happened yesterday and what it means when we come We're back. We're going to do it in seconds. James Edwards, thepoliticalcesspool.org. Who gets reporting like Liberty Roundtable Live, huh? We have somebody almost everywhere. And we punch hard. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? 
Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not gonna protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, James Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, thepoliticalcesspool.org, in the middle of telling us about the Southern Baptist reality check. Moderate pastor Ed Litton narrowly beats supposed conservative to head the Southern Baptist. This is a huge story, folks. We don't only follow the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We try to follow the Catholics and the Protestants. We try to follow all of these uh, big organizations because they really can make or break uh, the reality of our side of the culture wars, believe it or not. So that's why we highlight this so in detail, because it's critical for those who believe in God, family, and country. James? Well, it was bad news then uh, for what happened yesterday from our perspective, uh, to be sure. So just to cut to the chase, uh, four candidates running for the presidency. In the first round of voting, the so-called ultra-conservative candidate won, uh, and he won by a, a pretty decent margin, but he didn't get 50% plus one, so there was a runoff just between the top two finishers, and then the other two quasi-liberals coalesced behind, uh, they call him a moderate, he is actually quite liberal in favor of critical race theory, uh, and uh, a lot of other things that are going to be harmful, very much a watered-down uh, liberal is what he is, and he was able to win by about 600 votes um, out of out of thousands upon thousands cast. I think it was the biggest... Um, collection of messengers which is what the southern baptists call their delegates in quite a long time so this was probably one of the more important uh conventions in recent years and um they, they took great pains to go back and show their virtue signaling tendencies they went back to the 1800s to strike resolutions that were passed by the christians of that time that supported the confederacy uh they went back and struck several motions that were written by Christians in the 1840s that uh, used the word Negro, quote unquote, in the uh, in the language, which is, of course, how people were referred to back then. 
um, and uh, just just a lot of other things. Uh, similarly, good measures were voted down by a similar small margin. 52% to 48% was how it shook out. So I guess there's a slimmer of um, modicum of hope in that uh, the conservative candidate pulled half the convention, basically, 52 to 48, but it wasn't enough, and I think their numbers are probably only going to further dwindle now. And so what you've got today, the church today, with its compromising uh, and facilitation of feminism and illegal immigration demands that the saving grace of Christ comes attached at the hip with this sick suicide cult of feminized leaders like the one uh, Ed Litton being now offered up, J.D. Greer before him, Steve Gaines before him, if you follow uh, Southern Baptist Convention politics. And you have to ask yourself if this even qualifies gospel because any sane person is going to have to reject this suicidal package offered to them by the modern church. And that's why the Southern Baptist Convention is dying because they alienate men who are the natural leaders of family. Uh, this is a ridiculous practice of religion to have uh, basically what I call MSNBC at prayer taking over what should be a Christ-centered message. And uh, when you do that, when you have this ridiculous practice of religion, you're going to have the very best people of our society being alienated from Christianity. So uh, in the end, I think we have to hope that there's some measure of grace at work today because for the reasonable unbeliever, the disproportionately non-religious conservative who supports Donald Trump, they can't but look at the church and gag these days. And I had the perspective of being born into it and seeing how it's evolving. If I had not had the good fortune of being born into a Christian family and I inquired upon Christianity now and I looked at the church, I just I couldn't imagine myself wanting to be a part of that. And again, it's MSNBC at prayer. So we await a charismatic and forceful advocate of traditional Christianity who is going to try to reform the church. They had a chance at it. Um, I, I think, again, their numbers will probably further dwindle uh, now that they have been beaten uh, because they're going to be demoralized. I think some of these churches will, will leave in protest, and you can't hardly fault them for that. My, the last thing that I would say is this, and this really sums it up, and it was written by uh, a great Christian theologian, A.W. Tozer, in the early 1900s, and he said this, religion today is not transforming people, rather it is being transformed by the people. It is not raising the moral level of society, rather it is descending to society's own level and congratulating itself that it has scored a victory because society is smilingly accepting its surrender. And that was something you heard time and time again. I watched this for eight consecutive hours yesterday, Sam, and the so-called leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention kept saying, the world is watching, the world is watching, and that is who they fear. They fear the world. They fear uh, the media more than the living God, and they work to accommodate the Washington Post and the New York Times. They are so fearful that they would write something about them that uh, would cause them a little consternation. And uh, very weak, very um, disconcerting, but, you know, uh, Jesus Christ lives on in us, and um, those of us who are believers will continue to believe and we will continue to work. But as far as the Southern Baptist Convention right now, no good news to report. All right, let me ask you one simple question relating this, and it's a serious question. I don't mean to mock. I do mean to be serious about this question. So when you say moderate pastor Ed Litton, to head Southern Baptist, the question comes up, has it become the ir irrelevant, feckless church? Yes. I mean, I, well, it has been for a while. I mean, it's been trending that way for a while. This may have been the last best chance uh, for people with traditional theology in the Southern Baptist Convention. And again, the Southern Baptist Convention is, is a major player in the body of Christ, but it is by no means the authority and uh, all of that. But uh, yes, they have totally... 
moved away from the sufficiency of scripture. Uh, they are saying, well, we can't, uh, we can't condemn critical race theory because there's no chapter and verse in the Bible, uh, that, that tells us that it's wrong, but you know, that's certainly, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 from... whoa, whoa. I think there is, I think there's plenty of them. I think we're taught that we're all God's children. Number one. Uh, and we're taught to turn to God Almighty for guidance and direction, and male and female created he them. Um, I think it's very clear that race and gender are a, a critical part of the Bible, and I'm not here to condemn anybody by race, but I don't, I don't see anywhere where they say that white people are racist, systemically so, and will always be, and everybody else is a victim. That's the core of critical race theory. It's a lie. It's satanic, straight for the pit of hell. But I, I see every scripture teach love one another, as you know, Christ loves you or whatever, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that jettison this deceptive well, uh, logic, right? No, it, well, it absolutely does. And again, it was close. It would it'd be one thing if it was an 80 to 20 vote, but I mean, 52 to 48, you know, 600 votes. And again, I mean, who's counting these votes? And the, and the, the guy who lost, the guy who was the conservative candidate, um, uh, he won during the first round of balloting. So uh, who knows? I'm not saying that there was a fraudulent vote counting. I mean, let's just take that as it is. But I'm just saying it was close enough to split it down nearly 50-50. So there are people pushing back about this, and they were pushing it back against it forcefully. But uh, yes, that, well, that's right. But then again, too, Sam, I mean, you have to take into account that uh, there's no chapter and verse that specifically mentions the words critical race theory. Well, there's certainly no chapter and verse in it that says you have to condemn the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag was a Christian flag. It was modeled after the flag of St. Andrews of Scotland. Uh, St. Andrews was uh, crucified on an X-shaped flag. That's where the Confederate flag gets its symbolism. And uh, you know, there's certainly no vo- uh, 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 verse, uh, chapter, and verse in the Bible that says you must pass a resolution condemning yeah, the, the Confederate flag. flag merely says, merely says, we only have one king, and that is Jesus Christ, and He's giving us authority to be sovereign uh, citizens and, and individuals who uh, have government as its servant appropriately. So, the unique form of government tried by the founding fathers and proven successful over time, uh, that is the Christian view of the uh, Confederate flag, right? Well, that's absolutely right. And of course, they were Christians. And, and there's no doubt that they were Christians and they were great men. And I understand that the, the world and society evolves, but the word of God should not uh, evolve. And um, the church should not interpretate it based upon today's leanings, which are which are fickle and can change on a dime. But th- this is what you've seen out of the church. And this is all churches. And this is just human nature. I mean, again, what is the church except for um, a collection of people uh, that come together under the threshold of a church house from a very poisoned and brainwashed community. I mean, people who, who walk through the threshold of a church don't all of a sudden become immune to the poisons being thrust upon them by the media and by society and by the schools and by the universities. So, of course, it's affected the church, too, because, again, the church doesn't inoculate the, you from this. You you bring it in with you when you when you enter. And so you have a weakened um, society and they're taking that weak mindedness and that poison into the church as well. But, uh, but for years now you've seen the church, uh, try to cater to the world, uh, and, and trim its sails to be more accommodating to the world, uh, thinking that somehow they're going to be able to make a better witness or bring in more Christians. But basically what they're really doing is they just don't want to have to stand and, and be attacked like like we have always been attacked. You get attacked for standing for truth or for taking a dissident point of view, uh, you know, if it's a righteous point of view. And uh, the, the, most men just don't want to walk through that fire, and that includes Christian. Uh, no, I can't call them leaders in good conscience, but the people who are uh, the, the heads of these uh, religious organizations. 
Well, feckless leaders seriously are of great concern. So since it was split down the middle so close, do you expect a division between the, you know, Southern Baptist on this fault line? Or do you think that they'll just go along to get along and it'll kind of be a flash in the pan? What do you think is going to happen as we wrap this segment up? There are supposedly 50,000 of Southern Baptist churches, uh, 14 million members. Uh, they were saying that all of the African-American churches were going to leave if the conservative got left. They were threatening to leave. They were going to leave. The, the, typically, though, when conservatives lose, they do try to go along to get along. Uh, they need to play a little more hardball this time. I don't know if that causes you know, means leaving or redoubling their efforts next year. We'll see. We shall keep an eye on the ball for you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the one and only. Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Israel's military said it carried out airstrikes in the Gaza Strip early Wednesday after incendiary balloons were launched from the Palestinian territory. The two peoples had agreed to a ceasefire that ended 11 days of fighting between Israel and Hamas. A federal judge lifted the Biden administration's temporary ban on new oil and gas leases on public lands and offshore waters. In a victory for 13 states that filed the legal challenge in Louisiana, U.S. District Judge Terry Doty granted a preliminary injunction Tuesday blocking President Biden's January 27th executive order while the litigation continues. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey signed an executive order on Tuesday mandating that public colleges and universities cannot require students to receive the COVID-19 vaccine or require students to submit proof that they received the vaccine to attend in-person classes. USA Radio News. UFOs are back in the news, and even the military can't explain these strange UFOs intercepting our ships and planes. Are they a sign of something real? dangerous, or even biblical? Now, Rob Schmidt takes a look at the biggest mystery of our time. Rob's special series, UFOs, Are They Really Here?, airs all this week on Newsmax. Tune in to Rob Schmidt tonight on Newsmax, now on all major cable systems. It's already the fourth largest cable news channel. If your cable company doesn't carry Newsmax, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax, or you can switch. Or get Newsmax for free on your smart TVs, Roku, Zumo, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, or more. And don't forget to download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone and start watching now. So find out the latest on UFOs with Rob Schmidt and check out Newsmax tonight. It's real news for real people. As the demand for more transparency from China about the origins of the COVID-19 virus grow louder, China continues to stonewall any investigation. Tim Burke from the Phoenix, USA, Radio News Bureau has more. The former CDC director is defending the theory that COVID-19 could have leaked from a Chinese lab. Robert Redfield telling Fox News the spread of the virus was not consistent with other deadly coronaviruses such as SARS and MERS. There's an alternative hypothesis that it went from a, a bat virus, got into a laboratory where in the laboratory it was uh, taught, educated, it evolved so that it became a virus that could efficiently transmit human to human. My professional opinion as a virologist is that's, where, that's the hypothesis that I support. 
Texas and California officials are pushing homes and businesses to conserve electricity for a second day in order to hold off blackouts as a suppressing heat wave bakes the western United States Wednesday. USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Well, welcome back to the show. I think Sam is getting back into his nest there. I heard a door shutting, so uh, we'll just take over right now and uh, remind everybody the value of this particular program. Uh, I always love it when I'm a guest on another show. Uh, it comes so naturally to me to support and advocate for my friends and my brothers. Uh, it's a lot easier to ask you to support uh, the people that I love rather than asking one to support oneself or asking you to support me. Uh, but LibertyRoundtable.com, ladies and gentlemen, this man's been doing it for over 25 years. Uh, Sam Bush been doing it at a high level, uh, always without retreat, surrender, or apology. And he is a dear brother, and uh, we love him. And what he does, I mean, six days a week, can you imagine? And there has to be media outlets uh, that push back against, uh, well, to call them legacy media would be would be uh, too kind. But uh, the controlled press, the lying press, the establishment press, the regime's media, whatever you want to call it, thank God, thank God for men like Sam Bushman and uh, networks like Liberty News Radio. Are you back, Sam? Yeah, the new media is indeed taking center stage, ladies and gentlemen. He holds the media, makes the rules. There's no doubt about it. Check this out. Kevin Hart, comedian, doesn't care about council culture. The truth always wins. He's sick of it, James. You know, I was actually reading, as if you're reading my mind. Uh, I didn't know what we're going to talk about, but you're handing me things right in my wheelhouse. So there was uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, who's, um, well, he, I guess they're both black comedians in their own rights, uh, but Charles Barkley, obviously also a very famous Hall of Fame NBA player, uh, who's saying he's going to leave uh, TNT. He's been there for over 20 years, I believe, now as a commentator on their uh, NBA-winning uh, sports show inside the NBA, uh, saying that uh, Turner uh, Sports is trying to put the muzzle on him. And Charles Barkley was pushing uh, pushing back on cancel culture, saying you can't have any fun, you can't have any lighthearted jokes. He had long had this long-running bit about talking about how ugly uh, the women in San Antonio are. And when they would go down to San Antonio, everybody in the crowd would have a great time with him, you know, jeering at him and wearing T-shirts, you know, mocking. It was just a good tongue-in-cheek type of thing uh, because Barkley has this rivalry with San Antonio from his playing days. Uh, but but now Turner said, you know, no, that's that's offensive. That's misogynistic. You, you can't do that. You can't say that anymore. And, you know, putting the muzzle on this guy who's known for his outlandish takes and and uh, and big personality. So, you know, hey, listen, you know, we had Jesse Lee Peterson on the show last week. It's uh, it's really nice uh, uh, when the occasion presents it where you can have this cross community type of support uh, pushing back on uh, issues of common interest. Amen to that. So you got Kevin Hart doesn't care about cancel culture. The truth always wins. You got Charles Barkley blasts TNT bosses over cancel culture. 
Uh, now you have uh, Jesse Lee Peterson speaking out. You've got, I mean, it's starting at Candace Owens. You're starting to see more C.L. Bryant. You're starting to see more and more and more Americans that happen to be black jettison. I'm going to I'm gonna go bold. You ready, James? Jettisoning the idea that if you're black, you must be on the political slave plantation. They're simply saying no, and they're big enough. And they're, uh, you know, famous enough uh, and they're popular enough or whatever else to where this, um, along with other people, Kanye West, they're literally starting to blow up the dishonest narrative that has kept these slaves uh, on the plantation from a thought process point of view, thought process point of view, I should say, um, for way too long. And they're sick of it. They're saying, look, I can think and believe and feel what I want to. And how dare you say that I can't because I'm black. That's really what we're talking about, right? There was a well, that's right, and it's good to see it. I mean, it's encouraging. I read that article just a few minutes before we went on the air today about Barkley, which is, of course, quite similar. And he mentioned it by name, cancel culture, and he's, he's talking about how ridiculous it is and what a, what a what a shame it is. Uh, but there was also I was reading yesterday about a, a student. I believe she was she was admitted to one of the Ivy League schools. I want to say Yale, but I could be wrong about that. But the the, the fact remains, it was an Ivy League, League school, and this young lady uh, came from North Korea. And she was saying that the amount of thought uh, suppression and the amount of uh, the, the repression of free thinking at the Ivy League schools, uh, the Ivy League school that she attends, is worse than uh, what she uh, was experiencing in North Korea. So, I mean, people get it. People see it, and that's not a way America wants to go. There is going to be a reckoning in America one day when uh, people get a little more uncomfortable. But but until then, you like to see these fault lines. You like to see these fissures. Yeah, the headline says North Korean defector slams what they call woke schools uh, as she speaks out and kind of really laments what the heck is going on in America. What school was right? it, Sam? Does it say? I, I'm I'm looking at that right now. I'll, I'll find out. But in the meantime, I mean, North Korean defector slams woke schools. That is really telling. Well, I mean, you know, so North Korea, of course, and, and uh, you know, I don't know really what's going on over there. A lot of times um, <laughs> we know that our media lies about everything. So when they say something negative, you, you tend to believe the opposite. But North Korea is such a reclusive state. You, you don't really know what's going on there. But it would be, I guess, in some ways harder to imagine. There's a difference between hard totalitarianism, which is, I think, what you probably have going on in North Korea, and the soft totalitarianism. Well, yeah, it's not illegal here uh, to to speak out against the state or to speak out against political correctness. You don't necessarily go to jail. You just lose your job. You lose your, your, your social credit. You lose your uh, standing in the community. You just lose everything that makes you a free person anyway. Uh, so uh, that's, the, that's the, really the only difference between a state like this and a, and, and a state like that. But on the university level, that soft totalitarianism certainly does harden to, to a great degree. And, uh, you know, that, that is telling. Uh, when somebody from a state like North Korea can come over and say it's worse here than it is there. I don't know how you say her name, but it's Yami Park is her name. And she attended Columbia University, James. Columbia. Okay, there you go. Columbia, not Yale. Uh, different name, same wow. type of, <laughs> type of uh, setup. 
Um, but here's the interesting thing. So Miss Park, the North Korean defector, said that she viewed the United States as a country of free thought and free speech until she went to college here. Then she attended Columbia University and was immediately struck with the idea that, you know what? She called it anti-Western sentiment in the classroom. Wow. Can you believe that? A North Korean woman, a young woman, is a bigger defender of Western civilization than the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, so that, 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 that's something. Yeah, I'm reading right here now, too. It looks like we're both looking it up now. A uh, North Korean woman defected to the United States said the growing prominence of cancel culture, that's what we're talking about with Kevin Hart and Charles Barkley, uh, and the left's intent on dividing people are stark reminders of the regime she escaped. Well, and, and of course, that's the last full measure. I mean, that's where it's going, Sam. It's going to go to complete and total repression where you're you're jailed, which we already see in places like Europe, too. I mean, you don't have to go to North Korea to find stuff like that. Germany will do. Yeah, it is sh- shocking to see this. I mean, you've got this North Korean defector. You've got black people left and right. We're all saying the same things, James, and it gets worse. Because not only is this North Korean lady saying this, but here's the next headline. Our restaurant dress codes racist and dated. This is USA Today. <laughs> Listen to this. They say many have been saying for years dress codes are implicitly racist. Think about this for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. And target people of color. Now, here's the interesting thing. It used to be no shoes, no shirt, no service. Uh, and then, you know, Kenny Chesney came out with no shoes, no shirt, no problem. Uh, but now we're saying, look, man, you roll in. So the story kind of is that this black guy tries to go into the restaurant, and they tell him he can't because he doesn't meet the dress code. But he can sit outside with his buddies. So he does. He doesn't think much of it. He just goes, okay, whatever. And so he goes and sits outside with his buddies. But then he sees all kinds of white people roll in with uh, different, you know, dressed than him, but yet just kind of as casual or whatever else. And he kind of goes, well, wait a minute. Now he put out a video showing this and documenting this, and it's got well over 7 million views. It's blowing up everywhere. And the idea now is that, hey, dress codes are flat out inherently racist because, of course, white people came up with them, and it goes on and on. But I look at this, and I go, what are we talking about here, James? I don't, I don't think we're uh, talking. I have a- well, I, I hear we're coming up on a break, and I think I've got a little – uh, hitch in my cord. There we go. Uh, I, I've got a comment on this, and I, I've got another story that uh, deals with dress codes, and we may be talking about the same one, but it may be different, but there's parallels, and we'll get to it. We'll do it all, ladies and gentlemen, as James gets cord problems resolved. We'll take a quick pause, come straight back, hard-hitting, talk at your fingertips. I'm Sam Bushman, LibertyRoundTable.com. He's James Edwards, ThePoliticalCesspool.org, breaking it down just for you. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. 
My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. They say restaurant dress codes are implicitly racist. Systemically so. It's been that way for years. They're racist. They're dated. They're a problem. And they're used to simply, you know, put blacks at the back of the bus. Uh, that's the agenda they're pushing now. I believe it's nothing but a divide and conquer strategy, James. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this uh, still is getting a lot. There are still a lot more examples of this, at least a lot more examples. I should put it this way. A lot more examples like this that are being covered by the press. See, the press can take a very small minority opinion and make it look as though and present it as though everybody's in favor of it. If you're not in favor of it, there's something wrong with you. It's like the homosexual agenda. I mean, how many people are exactly homosexuals? I mean, single percentage, uh, yet the, <laughs> the entire corporate America structure is, is in the tank for them as if uh, you know uh, you have to have uh, that single percentage amount of uh, support from that community in order to be able to make it in business and so I, I don't know how many um, black Americans would line up with Charles Barkley and Kevin Hart with regards to cancel culture or how many are still pretending that systemic racism uh, is behind everything and everyone and every encounter uh, I there was another incident of uh, so-called racism involving a dress code uh, that interestingly came from another uh, black um, NBA Hall of Famer that played during Charles Barkley's time, Dominique Wilkins uh, of the Atlanta Hawks. He was going into a uh, upscale restaurant in Atlanta just a couple of weeks ago. It's a recent story. And um, they didn't recognize him. I mean, of course, you know, these people are in their late 50s, early 60s now, so they don't look like they did in their playing days. So they didn't recognize him as Dominique Wilkins, or else I'm sure they would have let him in regardless. Uh, but uh, they did say, sir, you know, we have a dress code, and uh, I'm sorry, but you, you'll have to go and change before you can, you know, be allowed into the restaurant. And he instantly went and did the talk show circuit. I mean, it was being covered by CNN and MSNBC, and he was going on these shows uh, saying, you know, I don't believe that they actually have a dress code. Uh, they only said they have a dress code because 
I'm black. Uh, and this woe is me. I mean, here you have this multimillionaire whose entire livelihood uh, was funded uh, off the ticket sales and merchandise purchases of predominantly white fans. Uh, crying racism. I mean, he has lived um, uh, an unparalleled life as far as earthly status goes. And it, still, he's the victim of racism somehow because this restaurant legitimately did have a dress code that, that he didn't meet. And I'm sure if he had gone and changed, they would have allowed him in. Do you think they weren't going to allow him in if he was actually wearing a suit and tie instead of, you know, flip-flops and board shorts? Uh, so, but, but there he was, you know, t- making the round. So, I mean, look, it, but we saw this with Starbucks back a few years ago. Uh, there were uh, a couple of young uh, black males in a Starbucks where, uh, and, and I believe they were up to some shady business. They were loitering. Uh, they weren't buying anything. They were just there. And uh, there is a policy in most stores. It's, you know, the stores and the facilities, the restrooms are reserved for paying customers. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> the fact that that rule exists only exists to discriminate against blacks. So these two young, and I believe they were petty criminals, if I'm not mistaken, they went and complained. And I believe this was up in Philadelphia. And that that uh, that is what I that one single incident in a single store where you had two. I mean, loitering is not allowed in most businesses that I know of, uh, especially if you're giving off a sketchy or shady vibe uh, and causing discomfort to other customers. Uh, so they were asked to leave or make a purchase. See, they could have just bought a coffee and it would have been no big deal. But they didn't do that either. And and, and this is what gave rise to the whole Starbucks where they shut down every Starbucks in the country, shut down for a day so they could have this day of healing and, and, and uh, uh, what, whatever they call it, racial awareness or, uh, you know, Whatever. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, incidents as innocuous as this. And I was talking about that with Jesse Lee Peterson. I mean, even showing showing identification at a polling booth, um, some blacks claim is uh, slavery uh, or not just Jim Crow, but Jim Eagle and Jesse Lee Peterson. And I were talking about this last week. So, yeah, I mean, for every Charles Barkley and Kevin Hart, I'm afraid you've got the, the, the yang to the ying on the other end. All right. Well, let me kind of double down and say some things that. You know, I know they're not popular, but I think they're true. All right. Now, this Hawks legend, Dominique Wilkins, says he was denied service. That may be true. Atlanta restaurant apologizes. So the problem with that discussion is that he's claiming he was denied service because of his black status. And this is where I have the problem. And this is where critical race theory is, uh, in my opinion, foisted upon us. On the big lie. Was he denied because he was black or because of his dress? If he was white, would they let him in with the same dress? The debate rages on, and certainly people have biases and people have viewpoints, but there's much more than dress. Sometimes it's behavior. Sometimes it's who you're with and how you all look. Uh, And I'll give you an example. Two white guys roll into a place. One guy's got like a kind of a missionary haircut is what I call it, very short hair. Uh, looks like a Christian missionary. The other guy's got long hair like a biker dude. You know, one guy's got his shirt open and a necklace hanging down, and uh, another guy's just wearing a nice button-down shirt and some nice slacks. They're going to be treated differently regardless that they're both white or that they're both black. Okay, there are a lot of other factors. You know, you, you show tattoos, you this. Now, is it right to have biases? I say that it is. All right? People have thought processes. And they have warning bells in their hearts and in their minds from past experience, from observation, from intuition. I can go on and on and on about this. But the point that I'm making is this. 
Restaurants should have every right to not welcome people based even on their gut feeling where they say, you know what? We don't feel right about you guys being here. You need to leave. Okay, it's private property. It's a restaurant. You can say it's a public establishment, and it is, but it's at the behest of the business owner. And what we seem to buy the lie right now in America is that government can decide all this for me. Okay, if I find somebody cruising into my air and they're drunk as a skunk, I might kick them out because I don't want any trouble that will arise from, you know what, alcohol-fueled individuals. Um, it can be all kinds of reasons, but I'm not saying that I support racism. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand me, ladies and gentlemen. I disagree with racism. I believe that we're all God's children and we should behave like it. However, I do respect private property, and I do respect the individual's decision. If somebody wants to be racist and they say, you know what, I don't like your dress here. You're, you're, you know, black, and you're in here, and I don't feel comfortable with it. I submit to you that I back business owners' rights to decide for themselves. And so I think the right of conscience trumps this race card they're using, James. And I don't support racism, but I do support people's ability to be racist or right to be racist or to use whatever bias internally they have in their own mind, in their own conscience, in their own heart to decide who they want in their restaurant or not. Now, I happen to know a well, little bit about this because I'm a blind person. And if they say, you know what, I don't like blind people in my restaurant, they always knock over their glass and they dump water all over and I don't want them in here. I support their right and I'll go somewhere else. This is a very unique position that we need to learn to take, not because we back the wrongs of discrimination, if there are any, but because we prize the right of conscience above all that. James. Yes, yeah, Sam, and you've got, I mean, look, uh, there's no doubt about it. A private property should be able to refuse the right of service to anyone for any reason, whatever the reason. And they don't have to give a reason. It's private property. This is a totally different than, uh, than a snack bar at a, at a government or a federal building. And we know that they uh, can disallow uh customers uh for whatever reason because we've experienced it ourselves have we not i mean trying to host events in the past uh they would say you know you're just too much of a risk you're too much of a liability we'll get bad press and uh you're this you're that and so they um uh they don't they don't allow service i've had that happen to me i've had that happen to me uh on more than one occasion uh because of who i am and uh, because of the positions i take as a paleo conservative christian talk radio host uh but and, and you have such a hypersensitive society now and, and and we know the the amount of pandering that that comes uh with any accusation of racism real or imagined it even goes to the billionaire the billionaire oprah winfrey who some years ago uh the last few years i mean it is an ancient history now oprah especially i mean talk about athletes who who became millionaires based upon the uh buying power of mostly white fans how about oprah who became a billionaire based off stay-at-home moms or uh, uh, women who do who are, are watching her show during the day became a billionaire and she was in europe um i don't remember the country maybe it was switzerland maybe it was somewhere like that uh and she she claimed that she was the victim of racism now here's this billionaire black woman the victim of racism because she went into a high-end boutique and the clerk didn't immediately offer her she was looking at purses she wanted to buy a purse and because the store attendant didn't immediately offer her the most expensive purse that the the clerk didn't recognize her as oprah uh, she didn't know who she was and but so because the clerk didn't immediately offer her the most expensive 
purse in the store. Oprah claimed that was racism because she assumed that because Oprah was black, she couldn't afford the most expensive purse in the entire store. Uh, so th- this is this is where you go from the real to imagined stuff. And uh, and Oprah had this heartfelt, you know, hour long special on how she was the victim of racism because of that incident. Uh, so that and dress and codes and all that, that that's not racism. Here's how it is, ladies and gentlemen. As Hall wrote in Friends of Voltaire, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. All right? After all, isn't that the genius of America, ladies and gentlemen? Isn't that the pure genius of America? So the same thing goes true. Uh, when It's your right to say it. It's your right to do it, to believe it, to think it. I may not agree with you. But we have the right of conscience to think and believe as we do. And so, you know what? I don't know why this NBA star was kicked out if they didn't recognize him because he was old and they didn't know he was an NBA star. Otherwise, he would have got special star privilege. That's a whole nother debate of racism equivalent that you could say. What about the stars versus, you know, me and you and everybody else? Why does the black LeBron James get to roll in and get special privilege above Sam Bushman, the white guy? See, we're star-studded. In America, our founders believed we were all God's children, all of a middle class. And they jettisoned kings and class warfare and all these divisions. Why are we letting it happen today? We need to bring back the tradition of our founders and reject that one is above another. All right? We need to be kind and respect people's intellect. We need to have civility, no doubt. But that doesn't mean we have to cave on our conscience or our principles. If I don't want to um, you know, support abortions as a doctor, I shouldn't have to. If I want to kick somebody out because I don't believe that they're good for my restaurant, for whatever reason, I should have the right to do that. Now, maybe it's not right. Now, if somebody wants to bring a guide dog in, there's laws that say, hey, blind people can bring guide dogs into restaurants. Some restaurant owners don't like that. They're not comfortable with it. They should have every right to say no. And then the blind person, the person that has the guide dog has the right to go somewhere else. Okay, But we've decided that the government is the great arbiter of our conscience. And this... Ladies and gentlemen, I reject a gazillion percent. Hour one in the can, hour two, James Edwards with me. We'll continue on this racist theme. Why? Well, because your Biden administration, your whacked out, crazy white supremacist Joe, um, he wants to double down and say that you and I are the greatest domestic threat in America today. His administration is saying it, and they're starting to ramp up the hate towards white Christians. That will be the theme as we continue next hour. Stay tuned because you know what? Hard-hitting talk is always at your fingertips six days a week on the Sabbath. We rest. For Sam Bushman and James Edwards, his website, thepoliticalcesspool.org, mine, libertyroundtable.com, nationally syndicated by lovingliberty.net. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Top the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. 
This is the broadcast for June 16th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And this is our two of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. James Edwards with me, well-known talk show host in his own right, co-hosting the broadcast today. His website, thepoliticalcesspool.org, is award-winning talk show. In his book, Racism, Schmacism, he's a talk show host, he's an author, he's a family man, and he stands for advancing his own race, the white race. Is he allowed to do that, or can he only do that if you're every race but white? Oh, that is critical race theory at its heart, ladies and gentlemen. White people can't do that because they're the oppressors. Everybody else can do that because they're the victims. Regardless if you've ever victimized anybody or not as an individual, that's irrelevant. You come from an ancestry that has absolutely abused people, goes the satanic narrative. Now, slavery, by the way, has been perpetrated by all groups in the world, suppressing other groups in the world from a racist point of view. It's happened. It's wrong. We reject it. Nevertheless, it's reality. And we do not celebrate slavery, but we, in my opinion, acknowledge the reality, okay? We know that it happens and that it's wrong. But nevertheless, you can't just blame the whites for every problem on the world. What they really want to do is blame the whites, and they really want to point to Christianity as their real <clears throat> attempt and agenda, I submit to you. All right, James Edwards with me. The next headline really is why we're talking about this race discussion flat out straight for two hours without exception. And here's the headline from your government. Attorney General Merrick Garland said white supremacy is the greatest domestic violent extremist threat as he unveiled the Biden administration's new national strategy for combating what they call domestic national terrorism. Believe it or not, in the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocate for the superiority of the white race, Garland said in a speech at the Justice Department. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is serious, serious business. That is a serious uh, allegation. The national strategy for counting for countering domestic terrorism will involve coordination between multiple federal agencies, including interagency cooperation. They say um, there's more to this. Biden's administration announced a new national strategy for countering domestic terrorism. Um, They say that it found that the two most lethal, listen to this, the two most lethal concerns in America are one, listen, the two most critical domestic terrorist threats are one, racially or ethnically motivated, violent extremists who advocate for the superiority of the white race and two anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists such as militia violent extremists. There you have it. They also have four pillars to their plan, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, But James Edwards, this is why I focus on this. They are taking this, um, I don't know what you want to call it, how many year history of a division of America over race, 
and they are exploiting this and now trying to codify it into law that, you know what, if you don't accept their critical race theory, my friend, you will be a domestic terrorist. That's where they're headed, uh, whether it's white, whether it's Christian. They won't say the word Christian, but that's what it amounts to. The godless versus the God-believing, uh, the white versus everybody else. The This divide has become um, so central to the Conquer America plan the only way they can stop us is to try to say, if you stand against us, we'll call you a domestic terrorist, and then we'll put laws in place to persecute and prosecute you. James, that's where we are, sir. Well, it's like when Joe Biden uh, went and met with the troops the other day and said the greatest threat to, to, uh, to the world is climate change. Uh, and the uh, United States military has to uh, fight against climate change. <laughs> How are you supposed to do that? Of course, it doesn't exist, and neither does this threat from the so-called Department of Justice, which is, uh, of course, in actuality, the Department of Social Justice. And Merrick Garland, it's all made up. Um, I, I don't think that they could possibly believe it. There's certainly no statistics or facts or data uh, that would point that so-called white supremacists. Now, what is a white supremacist? Uh, by the way, they are defining it. It is someone who would uh, resonate or think highly of our founding fathers or would uh, whose beliefs would fall in line with the founding fathers. That's what everybody's a white supremacist now. Uh, this is a slur. I wrote a book about it 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, actually 11 years ago this month. And uh, it, it was true then. It's even more true today. There, you, you don't see it. Uh, obviously, once every two or three years you will have a very tragic incident like a dylan roof uh tragic and excusable uh he'll get uh, his um he's gonna die in prison because of it and and that's um, a just allocation of uh punishment but uh white people who go off and do things like that are so 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 rare again it only happens once every couple of years now the media when when these rare incidents happen will hype it up as if this is this is it this is what we were talking it's one incident okay it's tragic it's wrong uh, but incidents of of black on white murder uh are are near daily and it just depends on what the media wants to hype and over amplify and what they completely want to suppress and and not report on at all like the incident where uh you had the incident with connor heinen this what six-year-old boy uh, who was just riding his bike and a black man walked up behind him and shot him in the back of the head with a gun now that's the stuff hollywood movies are made out of uh fictitious hollywood movies where you have these crazy whites from the 1960s who go around they didn't do that then they didn't even do that then they're, they're supposed to be the worst people who ever trod the soil they never did stuff like that you had another one his name was cash geenan another young white boy look could have been my son like barack obama said uh, uh trayvon martin could have been my son well these boys literally look like my son at the same age they've got this glow and joy of life in their eyes or they did before it was snuffed out um, Cash Geenan, just another young boy who was just killed for nothing because he was white. Could you imagine if a white man went up behind a six-year-old black boy who was just riding his bike, minding his own business in front of his own house, shot him in the back of the head? Uh, you don't think race would have been injected into that murder? Uh, but this, but things like this happen very, very, very regularly. Hardly a day passes. Here's, now, what's it's not always that. here's what's interesting, James. These are the same discussions that you and Jesse Lee Peterson, a black man and a white man, went on CNN to discuss 
literally years and years and years ago, and now it's just at an epic amplified level. How far can they ratchet this narrative up? Are they just going to start putting white Christians in jail? Okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to change this mic cord out. Yeah, but that could definitely happen. I mean, it's definitely trending that way. Uh, There's nothing magical about America that's protecting us from the same so-called hate crimes laws and hate thought laws that have plagued uh, not just nations like North Korea, but but other Western nations, other formerly Christian nations like Germany and France and the U.K. Uh, So, yes, it could certainly happen here, and it will happen here. I mean, it it could happen here sooner than you think. If uh, It will happen here if we the people don't stand up and put a stop to this dishonest, satanic narrative that's uh, based on division and destruction. So listen carefully to what they say. They said that they found that the two most lethal elements of today's domestic terrorism are, one, racially or ethnically motivated, violent extremists who advocate for the superiority of the white race. Now, here's the problem. Number one, I don't know that we advocate for the superiority of the white race. I would like to look at it a little differently. We advocate for the right race race because we're white, just as the blacks advocate for the black race because they're black. Uh, And so does that mean that we think we're superior? And does it mean we intend to codify laws that make us superior? Well, that's another question. But then they tie it to violence as if they're one and the same. So if you think you're superior because you're white, then you're violent about it is the natural conclusion. There are many people that think they're superior because they're white, but that doesn't mean they're ready to go to violence. Yeah, it's there a total, other, total disconnect. There yeah, are also that, other people who, who believe that they're white and have every right to advocate for the white race, but they don't necessarily believe they're superior. Okay, we've got all kinds of nuances here, and they're obliterating the two and saying, hey, no matter what you think, if you advocate for your white race, not only are you, one, thinking you're superior, and two, you're violent. That's the yeah, well that, dishonest well that, narrative conclusion, right, James? That That's exactly it, Sam. I mean, because I'm not ashamed of who my ancestors are, I don't regret the history of America, the history of Western civilization, that I, I'm somehow uh, 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 a ready-made psychopath or mass murderer. I mean, obviously, that that's foolish. I have the same beliefs that pretty much every American up until the 1960s had. And uh, this thing, too... Again, there's just no evidence. It's completely, uh, completely fabricated that these people, who they are claiming now, again, nobody I know identifies as a white supremacist. Um, that's the word, the the slur, the the libel, the slander that the the government, and the media is using to define uh, white people with traditional beliefs. But nobody that I know uses that term or would welcome it, and certainly nobody that I know would go out and do anything violent, much less become a threat of, of murder or whatever, and, and, and to call the people at, at the, the Capitol insurrectionists and, and terrorists and domestic terrorists, which is where a lot of this is emanating from is what you saw on January 6th, but give Black Lives Matter, who are burning down cities for two years, sacking police stations, taking over square blocks of Seattle and Portland, still to this day in Portland, you know that that what's that a peaceful protest burning arson Ladies and looting? gentlemen i got some hard questions for sam and james in a second we'll talk about it we'll also talk about the four pillars of biden's plan in seconds why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less anybody ever had less money this year than you had last anybody better have a one percent pay cut you deal with it that's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? 
Republicans, who are they? Democrats, who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still-industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. So whacked out Joe Biden and Attorney General Merrick Garland are basically saying there's two serious domestic threats that trump any other threat we face in the world today. They say that most two lethal elements are, and then they they, um, break this down. And I want to break down the very words they're using. They're using scare words. And they're stringing together words that have a dishonest narrative, making you assume that the reality is the way they're pitching it. So here's what they say. Racially or ethnically motivated violent. Well, I don't know that I'm racially or ethnically motivated violent. That's not true. It's not true for me and it's not true for James. We're not motivated violent by anything. Just because we have our views, we have a right to our views. That doesn't equate to violence. All right? Now, when you say racially or ethnically motivated, again, that has a scare word charge tactic to it that I disagree with. Then they say extremists. So now you're violent extremists. I'm neither an extremist nor am I violent. I walk right down the road of constitutionality, right down the road that we're all God's children and we should behave like that. Then they say who advocate for the superiority of the white race so now here's the problem all that first part the violent the extremist i reject all that now they say who advocate for the superiority of the white race well again now you say wait do i advocate for the superiority or do i just advocate my race of course i should advocate my heritage and my race Okay, of course, I should believe in my race and my people. But that doesn't mean that I'm racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. See how they string these scare words together and then advocate for the 
superiority? Again, this is the scare words they're putting together. Do you advocate for your race, James? Yes, I do. Uh, I I do. Okay. It's my extended Now, is favor. there anything? Hold on. Stop. Is there anything wrong with advocating for your race? I advocate for my race, too. If you, if you have children, you're advocating for your race. Because you hope that you have children. Well, apparently, you know, apparently children, Right? Well, I mean, there's that. And then, of course, uh, apparently it's not only allowed but encouraged if it's every other ethnicity, orientation, uh, racial group, except for whites. If we do the exact same things everyone else is not only allowed to do but encouraged to do, uh, then somehow it's evil. And it's it's not only evil, it is the, the greatest ter- terror threat in American history. If, if you're white, not ashamed of it, and identify as part of a, a group that has unique interests, just like everybody else does. Now, here's the question. Are you racially or ethnically motivated uh, towards violence yes. as an extremist, James? <laughs> no, not the last part. See, Certainly that, not. I mean, that's, never. That's the part that I'm saying is insane. Now, are you advocating for the superiority of your race? If anything, the separation. Uh, you know, to, to be superior would mean you would want to uh, to lord over people who have uh, different faiths, different um, languages, different cultures, different heroes. You you want to subordinate them. Uh, I, I think that if you have so many differences on this temporal plane of Earth, uh, it's going to lead to conflict. Because, because not only do I not want violence, but because I want to avoid such conflict, I think that there should be some sort of a peaceful partition. Uh, so far from wanting to be superior or to uh, reign supreme over them, I would rather just be left alone. Anyway, I I bring this up on purpose because I want to really get to something that's important to understand. Just because you advocate for the white race, doing what all other races do, just because you advocate for your Christianity, doing what all other religious people do, just because you advocate for your heterosexual lifestyle, as all people who believe as you do do, and all people otherwise do, that doesn't insert the words that they've cherry-picked here to peddle their porn agenda. All right? Racially or ethnically motivated, violent extremists, and then this idea of superiority. Okay? We're not debating superiority. We're merely saying we're white, we're Christians, we're heterosexual, and we're proud of those core values, and we advocate for them. But ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't suggest an extremist view. It doesn't suggest a violent view. It doesn't suggest any of those scare word dishonest narratives that they're literally attacking us with. Now listen carefully to these four pillars they're talking about, James. Four pillars with the first they say aiming to understand and share information relating to domestic terrorism. Now that scares me because what does that mean? That means monitor Liberty Roundtable live. That means determine how what they decide Sam is on the extremism meter, on the white racist advocate advocate meter. They say in part the government plans to tackle this pillar by, quote, enhancing domestic terrorism analysis and improving information sharing via multiple law enforcement agencies. All right, the second pillar, they say, focuses on preventing future recruitment and mobilization to violence. So at first glance, you would say, I'm fine. I've never recruited people and motivated anybody for violence. But that's where the differences start to show themselves. They would say that I'm advocating for violence because I believe in the Founding Fathers' view, which is a revolutionary view. They would furthermore say, I stand with Christians 
and believe that all not Christians, uh, uh, whatever, that I'm white, that I want to down every other race. They say to do so, the initiative looks to address online recruitment and has revamped support to community partners who can prevent people from reaching the level of domestic violence. That's the second pillar. The third pillar offers plans on disrupting and discouraging domestic terrorism. See, these simple plans make you think, well, you know what, that's not so bad. We should all be for that. But Pillar 4 explains ways to confront long-term contributors to domestic terrorism. The last pillar notes that the government will look towards ensuring that law enforcement doesn't operate with bias. Wow. And will counter polarization due to disinformation, misinformation, etc. But the White House didn't specify how exactly the administration will implement some of the changes that they're advocating for. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very scary indeed, and I haven't even got to the second pillar yet. But, James, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you believe that a white supremacist and a white advocate are the same thing. They're also trying to make it to where if you believe in your white race or Christianity or the proper role of government, that you are a violent extremist based on ethnic or racial rhetoric or a hate-filled message just because you believe I'm white and I want to have children and advocate for the white race, same thing all races are doing, that I want to support my Christian views, that I believe in heterosexual, one-woman, one-man marriages, one-man, one-woman marriage, the traditional family, etc. They want to use these scare words and build this narrative that you are the greatest domestic threat in the country, and they're now literally putting plans, regulations in place to laser-like focus all government agencies in coordination on you and me, sir. Well, Sam, that's what they're doing. But, I mean, I, I, I have no illusion. I'm sure you don't either that they listen to every show anyway. I mean, the media regularly reports on the things that we say. So their agents and their minions are listening if they're not listening outright. And that's fine because I've never said anything on the air or even in private or even in the, the, the comfort of my home that I wouldn't say in front of a law enforcement officer or a um, court of law. I've never broken any laws. Uh, other than maybe speeding, I guess, a couple of times, got a ticket. But, uh, you know, with stuff like this, I mean, obviously not, never advocated for it, never thought about it. So uh, if it gets down to the point where it goes it, it goes to full money, I mean, they're going to literally have to start arresting people who have a difference of opinion uh, from the woke, progressive, antichrist, uh, anti-American crowd, which is the crowd that they represent. So I wonder, though, because we know that there literally are not white people who go out wantonly killing other people. Uh, it happens out of a country of 300 million. Yes, you're going to have some bad eggs and some bad actors. It's sad. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, but every now and then you are going to have a Dylan Roof, and that, that's, that's, that's terrible. But that is by no means a trend. You have, I think, within my lifetime you can count them on uh, on your fingers uh white people who behave like that compared to the uh <laughs> countless um uh, uh counterparts on 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 the other hand so because these white people don't exist in the way that they are framing them uh in these planks 
they would literally have to go and start arresting people like us just for having a difference of opinion and trying to shoehorn us into this uh, into this fitting. And I don't know if that's happening. I think that uh, this may be uh, just some sort of posturing to placate their base, to make it look as though they're really cracking down. Hang tight. Otherwise, Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. New Israeli airstrikes in Gaza were launched after incendiary balloons were launched from Palestinian territory and exploded over Israel. Dan Araki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau reports. Israel has launched airstrikes into the Gaza Strip following a series of arson attacks. The Israeli Defense Force says it bombed Hamas military complexes in Khan Yunus and Gaza City overnight on Wednesday. The attacks come in retaliation for the launch of incendiary balloons from the territory which started at least 20 fires on Tuesday, according to the Israeli Fire Service. It's the first major violence since the two sides agreed on a ceasefire on May 21st. There were no immediate reports of injuries. The Senate on Tuesday confirmed antitrust expert Lena Khan as commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission. The 69-28 vote greenlit Khan, known for her work how to apply antitrust laws to the big tech industry. This is USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Alaroot Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. Back in 1983 and 1984, the water level at Lake Mead was so full, the dam had to use spillways to release excess water. Now, decades of drought have the dam on the border between Arizona and Nevada at dangerously low levels. Tim Burke from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau reports. A decrease in the level of water coming from the Colorado River is a cause for concern in the western United States and Mexico. The Bureau of Reclamation says two years of drought have reduced the water flowing into Lake Mead and Lake Powell. That's a problem since the river provides more than 40 million people in Colorado, Arizona, California, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming. Millions of gallons of water from the river are also promised to Mexico as part of a treaty signed in 1944. One thing the lockdowns taught us about Americans, consumers and streamers are preferring shows that are released weekly as opposed to binge-watching shows that are released all at once. That's according to data provided by Parrot Analytics. This is USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, Sam Bushman and James Edwards talking about this agenda from the Biden administration via the Attorney General, whacked out Merrick Garland, who literally claims that a white racism is the biggest threat in America, that and anti-government views. 
So he further dishonestly claims the two most lethal elements of today's domestic terrorism threat are one, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists who advocate for the superiority of the white race. And number two, anti-government or anti-quote authority violent extremists such as militia violent extremists okay now again there's so many scare words in all this it's just hard to even break down we've allowed in america the democrats the liberals the communists the socialists whatever words you want to use for this james they've literally allowed us to get into so many scare words now you're talking about militia anti-government hate christians violent white everything you are is the domestic threat everything i am is the domestic threat the greatest threat the nation's ever faced forget about foreign threats forget about real terrorism forget about whatever they're advocating that you know what the white guy that christian guy that believing in the traditional family guy that guy that wants the proper role of government is a hater is an evil demonic threat that we've got to stop at all government costs I mean, they're really doubling down for this, James, and I don't know where it's going to go. Well, this is what we were this is what we were talking about before the break. Um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's completely devoid of fact, reason, logic, data, examples, etc. So I I don't know if it is just posturing and rhetoric to make it appear to their base as though they are really cracking down on what they consider to be the extremists and so on and so forth and all these fanciful um, adjectives they use to describe typical God-fearing <laughs> rock-ribbed conservatives. Hardworking, family-raising, tax-paying. Now, that's, that's what we are. We're not these other things. So are they just doing this to posture to their base, or are they doing it in an attempt to further suppress those types of people, the people the way who are, as I describe them to be, the typical Trump supporters, for instance, are they doing this to sort of uh, put a damper on any future uh, rallies or demonstrations? You know, is that what it is? Is it a psychological tool they are using against conservatives and Trump supporters and the Republican base to keep them from speaking up and standing out? Uh, to keep them from believing that they can do what uh, uh, th their counterparts do and take to the streets. Now, if we took to the streets, we cer certainly wouldn't be looting stores and burning down buildings and, and doing all these things like the Democrats do. But uh, is that what it is? Is it to suppress uh, the pushback or to make it appear uh, to the Democratic base as if they're going after these people? Um, I, I think it's probably one of the two, because if it's anything other than that, they're going to have to begin arresting and putting in jail uh, people who, 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 who don't go out and pose a threat and don't go out and commit acts of violence because they'll have to target people who don't do it because the people who do the things that they allege don't exist. So that's the way it comes down, Sam. They're either going to start arresting people who are no threat and don't do the things uh, because they have to arrest somebody to make it appear as though what they're saying is factual. I don't think that's going to be the door. I think the door is either suppression of of conservative um, uh, demonstrations, or to make it look as though uh, to their base that they're that they're after these guys. All right, here's what I would say to you. I believe they are using the January sixth example. 
the Capitol example on January 6th as their way to strategize and filter the threats and eventually go after us all. And let me explain what I mean. They're first saying if you went into the Capitol and if you caused trouble, there's a level for you. If you hurt a cop, there's a level for you. If you went into the building but you didn't mean to, there's a level for you. If you went there but didn't go into the Capitol, there's a level for you. And they're literally trying to use social media, and they're literally trying to manipulate this into, you know what, everyone is guilty to some degree. It's just a matter of how guilty and what the penalty will be. And they're using this for that. For example, well, James, you're advocating for a lot of the things that the white supremacists advocated for when they went in hunting down congressmen and senators there, don't you know? And you weren't there because you might have not had the means to go there, but you still have the same ideology. You still have the same viewpoint. You still have the same concern point. Uh, that's, I believe, where they're going, and they're using this January 6th experiment to see how far the American people will let them go. Can you just use the FBI to knock down the door of somebody who was at the rally and then search their house and steal all their possessions and then create and build over time a narrative against them? Can you get people to turn and make claims that may or may not be true as you prosecute and pit people one against another? Can you inject this fear tactic so hardcore, so in your face belligerent that, man, everybody will cave and cop a plea deal so that it doesn't get worse for them? Uh, they're really building this narrative as the in my opinion, shot across the bow experimentation to say, how granular can we make this? How abusive can we push this without the American people just absolutely rejecting it? And then how can we isolate? How can we demonize? And then how can we persecute and prosecute anybody who's Christian, anybody who's white, anybody who believes in the traditional family, and especially those of us who speak out boldly against it? How can they craft the narrative is their experiment right now, James? If it is the worst-case scenario, um, how much damage could they do and how quickly can they do it? Because after passing that last stimulus payment that Biden uh, was able to push through with bipartisan support, that's the last thing Biden's going to be able to do. He's not going to get any other piece of legislation. Any other piece of the far-left agenda is not going to pass because you've got the um, the, the senator from West Virginia, Manchin, who is uh, not going to vote against the filibuster, and he's not going to vote. Uh, he's going to vote in, in uh, the interests of his constituents and not go along with this so-called woke, so-called progressive, progressively worse <laughs> agenda that the Democrats have. Uh, so the Democrats aren't going to get anything else done uh, in, in Congress, and they're probably going to lose uh, more power in the midterms. I would, I would predict that. So uh, I, I don't Hold know. Hold on, say I mean, that again. Who's going to lose more power, the Republicans? The Democrats, I think, will lose more power in the midterms, and uh, it, when All that right. happens, if that happens, if and when, that further erodes uh, what they've got to work with, and the midterms are next year. So, uh, you know, they've only got a, a year and change to year and a half. I mean, we're already in June, for goodness sake, I mean, if you can believe it. So they've got a year and, and, and a half to, to do their damnedest, and, and, and then I don't know, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, obviously, Biden as president would still appoint the Justice Department official, 
so maybe they'd have a little bit longer than that. But I, you know, I, I don't know, Sam. I, I see the scare stuff. I see the scare tactics. But basically what it's going to have to come down to is they're going to have to start arresting uh, God-fearing family men like me and you uh, because They've the, already the people done that it. they want to go after don't exist. You, you go to the Capitol peacefully, my friend, and say that you want honesty in elections. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. They're, that's right. They're ready to go ahead and do it. Now, you go to Charlottesville, and you get the crap beaten out of you because the cops don't do their jobs, and they let the black and the whatever agenda have their way, the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa, and you're a victim, but yet you tried to defend yourself at Charlottesville, and you're gone. And you look at Ammon Bundy, and you know what? They came to his ranch and pointed guns at the people, um, snipers, and then they lied about it in court and got caught lying. Okay, Ammon Bundy went to jail for two years, and he's guilty of nothing. Okay, this has already started. What's next? You can't go out of your house. You have none of the five guarantees of the First Amendment applying to you. You don't have your gun rights afforded to you. And so you decide, mm, I got to you know, stand up and do something about Now you're guilty of how hardcore does this fault line reach? And I'm telling you, it's getting crazy. Chris, Utah, you want to chime in? Make it quick. Yes, sir, James. Um, I wish I had more time because I do have an explanation for this whole racist um, onslaught against those of primarily Northern European extraction. Sam, and this might be a, a topic for a different show when we do have more time. But let me just say it simply. The, um, the account of Joseph who was sold into Egypt is being replayed out today. And Joseph represents those of Northern European extraction. And I can almost prove it um, biblically. And I wrote a seven-page paper. You might be, James, I would like to send this to you, and you can read it. But basically, there's Thank always you. been a rivalry between the House of Judah, the House of Judah, who now rep are represented by modern-day, I would say, specifically Zionist Jews, and those of Northern European extraction, who I can almost, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove biblically, are those of Northern European extraction, of which we are. We claim that heritage. And I can say that this is not being driven by minorities, blacks, or Muslims, or Hispanics. This is being driven um, by those who claim to be uh, members of the House of Judah. And the, it's primarily I think you're absolutely right on this reality. I, I think you're right on this reality, Chris. And I think that the blacks and the whites are all victims of this. Uh, we have the right to advocate for our heritage. That doesn't mean we're extreme. It doesn't mean we're violent. It doesn't mean we're hate-filled. That's the narrative lie they're putting to this. It's straight from satanic warfare. Uh, do you have a quick, more, a greater point to make, Chris? Uh, can I hang on over the break? Y you got to be quick. I yes, do. hold on. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine. 
the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, back with you live. James Edwards with me. The political cesspool.org is radio program. Chris Carlson, Utah, making a point, saying that, hey, there's always been, uh, since Joseph was sold into Egypt, uh, uh, friction between the North European, or the North European peoples uh, and Judah. And this battle is biblical and has been going on forever. Chris? Yeah, and I don't want to get bogged down in the details because our time is precious here. But this is going to be a paradigm shift for you, James, and I'm going to send you this document that I wrote that documents through biblical scholarship that we, Northern Europeans, are primarily descended from the house of Joseph. So we are Israel. We are God's chosen people. And there are plenty of references. Let me just say this. When Rehoboam, the kingdom of Rehoboam, oppressed the northern kingdom, they split apart, and there was a rivalry. Sometimes they were at peace with each other. Sometimes they were at war with each other. What I'm telling you right now is that there's a continuation of that same rivalry with the same groups being involved and we're all Europeans at least those of uh, northern European or, or we're all of Israel no, primarily those of northern European extraction and uh, Zionist Jews are driving this racist agenda because they have this whether consciously or subconsciously this remembrance of that rivalry that is now being continued, and they're trying to destroy us because of jealousy. So I'll just leave it at that. James, I'm going to get your, info, your contact information from Sam, and I will send you this document, and you will be blown away at how much yeah. evidence there is in the Bible to prove what I've just told you. All right, we'll let you fly, no, no, I've and, heard and this James will respond. Well, I was just going to say, I appreciate the call from Chris. Very thoughtful, uh, very heartfelt, and I would love to read more about it. I've heard, uh, obviously, about this uh, theory before. I would love to, to read your documentation of it. And um, just go to thepoliticalcesspool.org. There's a contact button, and you can send me uh, right there, and I'd love to be in touch with you. And we do understand this biblical reality. The problem with the discussion, in my opinion, there's if you're not careful, what you start doing is painting with a broad brush. And you start saying, hey, the Jews are all responsible. And there's no doubt that the Jews are in high places. And there's no doubt, ladies and gentlemen, that um, there is warfare, biblically speaking, as Chris says. The problem that I have with it is if you're not very careful, but you, you, what you do is you just start painting with too broad of a brush. Pretty soon people think their neighbor that happens to be Jewish is their enemy. And I don't really think that's true or helpful. I think that there are an elite group uh, in all organizations that have been infiltrated and abused and manipulated. 
Uh, some of the greatest murders have been under the flag of Christianity and under the flag. Of, okay, so they pervert the truth, and no doubt the point that he's making is real and true. But if we're not careful, we take it to the extreme and we don't do uh, the concern, if you will, justice. Because it's painted with a, such a broad brush, nobody believes in what we're saying. And people say, well, I know a Jewish guy. He's my neighbor, and he's actually high up in his church, and he's not this or that. And, you know, we need to be very careful of how we articulate this. Really, it's good versus evil. And those who are into suppression, those who are into division, simply are, uh, you know, out of the devil's playbook. Those who are promoting unity and stability and safety uh, and even sometimes separation are, are, in my opinion, doing what is right. I don't mean separation by force. I mean free association. And that leads to separation, naturally so, wisely so, for a good purpose in God. All right, there you have it. John Stevens, the owner of Maple Grove Farms in Minnesota, is now suing the Biden administration, James, over a loan forgiveness that is only available to minority farmers. So now, um, I guess uh, Joe Biden is getting sued for being a racist. <laughs> well, you know, the lawsuits against uh, the sitting presidents never seem to go very far. True story, sad tale to tell. Also, there's a poll out four in five Americans would prefer offensive and inaccurate speech over censorship. Only a small fraction wants to let the government decide. Uh, Art Moore with WND.com with this piece, but interesting survey, James. Yeah, I mean, there is such a disconnect between you would if you if you read the establishment controlled media and the official narrative. I mean, you know, and this is by no means uh, a new observation. Uh, I think everybody realizes that the media speaks with one voice. The entirety, the the entire pantheon of the establishment press speaks with a single voice. You would think between all the different networks and all the different newspapers, there would be a difference of opinion on, on critical issues. But there is none. There is none. They all speak with one voice. They're all controlled by the same entities. And, uh, yes, I mean, there is a huge disconnect between the media and the people. You know that half the people, uh, half the voting public voted for Donald Trump, at least half the voting people. If you accept the numbers from from uh, last November, you know that at least half the country. Where does that half of the country have the voice in a media? They don't, except for places like us and the Epoch Times and, and, and some of these other uh, alternative um, organizations. I mean, maybe Tucker Carlson, uh, he's an anomaly in the legacy media. Uh, and then you've got Newsmax and OAN and some of these other things. But, you know, that, that that's by no means establishment. Uh, so, yes, I mean, I think when half the country has no voice out of the legacy media, uh, they would rather prefer a, a few mistakes uh, under the banner of authenticity uh, than conformity, uh, which, uh, of course, is, is a very destructive force. Now, I do want to point out, though, that, you know, the, the conservatives and the, you know, Christians and the constitutionalists and the whatever you want to call us, um, we don't have our you know, fair share of the media, that's factual. But it's our own fault, James. Well, I mean, I always have said, Sam, that the buck has to stop with men and, uh, for our purposes, white men. Uh, if if this was at one time our country, now we've certainly given it away. 
and we've given away our churches and we've given away the universities and we've given away the government and we've given away the media and we've given away all of these institutions. So, yes, I mean, if, if there's going to be a reclamation for Christ and for uh, the kingdom of God on this earth, if there's going to be a reclamation for law and order and uh, traditional Western society here in this nation that was built by uh, those people and our ancestors, then it's, it, it's going to have to look. There's no doubt that there have been nefarious impacts thrust upon the founding stock of this country by outside forces and other groups. Uh, but at, at the same time, uh, it, it comes down to the fact that we allowed it. We were all too eager to, to rest and to placate uh, chronic malcontents and to sit back and cash checks and watch football and uh, let the good times roll. It's a lot easier to do that than to remain eternally vigilant, and we've just gotten lazy. So whatever problems that there are out there, and there are a lot of problems, and there are a lot of different reasons for those problems, but the solution to all of them, well, we run ads on this network that tells you what the solution is, return to Christ, return to, to the founding principles, and, and have men, uh, men of action, who are willing to uh, be called a name, willing to be able to stand up and be called a name and, uh, and face a little heat, and that's what it's going to take. Yeah, so if you're going to call me a racist, my simple response is next. So we can talk about the things that matter most, such as my God-given inalienable free speech rights and more. Believe it or not, the Senate now passed a bill declaring Juneteenth a federal holiday. Juneteenth is the lie uh, holiday they're trying to put together that ended all slavery, James, except I'm a slave to the IRS now, and so I'm hoping to be freed, my friend. <laughs> there is a great article by Paul Craig Roberts, former uh, member of the Reagan administration. He was the former Secretary of the Treasury under Ronald Reagan, and he wrote a, a recent article called The Truth About Slavery, and he may, makes mention of the fact that we're all slaves now. Uh, and he, he makes mention of the economics of it all. See, he was an economist, and he actually makes mention, to your point, about how uh, the, the slave economy uh, that really not too much has changed uh, from the days of chattel slavery when you just get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this whole Juneteenth thing, hey, I mean, Jesse Lee Peterson, today, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. The difference today is they have really soft chains. Yeah, that's right. And you, you could think you're free. It's just you're, you're, you're a slave to your own mind, I guess. But uh, Jesse Lee Peterson was just saying um, uh, how, how he's never going to uh, celebrate that fake holiday, which it is. I mean, you didn't hear about that or the ridiculous Kwanzaa until very recently. Juneteenth has sort of picked up in just the last couple of years. But uh, allegedly, uh, it was June 19th in 1865 when the slaves actually learned that they were free. And, and there were some Union soldiers in Texas, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, the sad the part is America is going to go for the holiday if the beer flows and the, the party continues. Then Americans, sadly, will double down in defense of the holiday because they don't give a rip what it means. They just want a day off and they want a party. That's the sad tale. But let me throw a wrench in their party in. You ready, James? Yep. 99% increase in chicken wings. Prices. Restaurant owner places blame. Uh, World Net Daily with this piece. So now that your chicken wings are going to cost a lot more money. And if a lot of things start to cost a lot more money, inflation running rampant, then Americans are going to start to wake up and pay attention a little more than they have hitherto done. I can promise you that. Well, that's what we're waiting on. Unfortunately, it's going to take something like that. Unfortunately, it's going to take a little bit of suffering and a little discomfort before people uh, get animated enough uh, to take action. It's not, though, that they don't agree with us. They do agree with us. We were just talking about half the country has no voice in the media at all. Uh, they have to vote for Donald Trump. So it's not as though there is no support for, for this agenda. 
Uh, it's just that it's not organized and it's not uh, acted upon because, of course, if you do act upon it, they will arrest you. Uh, as we saw on January 6th, uh, you'll be a, you de deemed a terrorist. If, if you're white and you speak out for conservative principles, you're, of course, a racist and a white supremacist. And so just the, uh, those threats alone, the threats of name-calling and the very real threat of being imprisoned if you actually take to the street the last two times it happened, Charlottesville and uh, January 6th, we saw... Uh, the uh, unfortunate fate of those uh, very legal demonstrators, especially in Charlottesville, where they had a um, uh, a permit uh, <laughs> by a judge, uh, they had every right to be there. But um, so that 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 There's has dampened the, the activism, but that, that doesn't mean that the support isn't out there. And when it busts, and it will bust, and this is another thing William S. Lind is talking about. Uh, when it busts, it might not be pretty. I pray that it'll be peaceful. I pray that it will be successful. I pray that we can take our country back without violence. The question really left is, will they let us? And ladies and gentlemen, James Edwards wrote an incredible book called Racism, Schmacism, thepoliticalcesspool.org, where you can find more about it. But all I bring this up for is to say, you know, that book is a great book. It's long in the tooth in the sense that it needs an update because there's so many more modern-day examples. <clears throat> I think we ought to write a book called So What Next? Of course, I'm a racist. You say so, and the <laughs> truth doesn't matter. And, and we need to literally start to have that attitude to where, look, we're not going to focus on that because you're wasting our time, and we know it's become a, a, a distraction to take conservatives and constitutionalists and the American people out of the game. If you're not a racist because you're white, then you're an Uncle Tom because you're black if you agree with us. Okay, I'm not a racist. I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm a God-fearing American that believes in God, family, and country. That can't be enough. They won't let me articulate that narrative because we don't have enough media to make that the name of the game. We can challenge their narrative. We're doing it. We're not doing it successfully enough because there's not enough of us speaking up. There's not enough dollars in the media to grow our presence um, to take back the narrative. But you know what? They've been challenged by us like never before, and we will continue this um, effort to peacefully restore the republic in the tradition of our founders. And for me to be white and advocate for the white race is no sin. I clearly demonstrate that reality on your radio. And I may not agree with you, but I agree with your right to say and think what you choose. But you better afford that to me as well. James, 20 seconds, final thoughts yours. I just want to thank you again, Sam. You're right about all of that. It's not a sin. Uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier with what happened with the Southern Baptist Convention yesterday, let's rely on the sufficiency of Scripture. Let's not add to it things that aren't there. It's not a sin uh, to be proud of the way God made you. And it's certainly not an act of terrorism. Thank you for all you for do, Sam. Sam Bushman and James Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. ThePoliticalCesspool.org, his website, LibertyRoundTable.com is our site, LovingLiberty.net, the syndicated network, Liberty News Radio. Spread the word, donate liberally. God save the republic.